0: Welcome to Episode 7 of our Casting Concerning Questions. Uh, Staff Minister Matthew Werner here with Pastor Jensen. Continue to be in the book of Habakkuk. We made our way into Chapter 3 last time and we saw Habakkuk's tone and what was going on change. Kind of shifting from these questions to now we get to this prayer, this this song of praise. We're going to take some time to look at some of the things that Habakkuk um, says during this this song of praise, this prayer today, um, identify those and talk about how they're, they're fairly unique. Today we'll be taking a look at verses 8 through 15. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by, and deep, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens, at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you thrust the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, you stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters." with uh, this description of God, we get a chance to see all of these elements of nature um, that are engaged. We get a chance to see this wrath and these works of God. Um, Interesting if there was someone that was a little bit more artistic than me to maybe paint how
1: Habakkuk is um, picturing God here for us. Uh, See, I'm not the guy either for that. We'll have to find someone else.
0: Mine would definitely look like a little stick figure with some little squiggly lines. Um, I think that for those that are a little bit more artistic and you start to paint that picture, we do get this awesome sense of who God is as we really put um, pictures in our minds uh, to, to what Habakkuk describes here. One of the things to start with is we get this talk of God's anger. Were you angry with the rivers? Did you rage against the sea?
1: You know, I find it interesting here that these are like the only questions actually Habakkuk now asks. And they're like rhetorical questions. He's not actually looking for an answer, but it's almost, the answer is, no, you weren't. This was not when you moved the rivers, when you, and you think well, those times maybe going back to Egypt, as we've seen before. Okay, you parted the Red Sea. And how many other times do you find in scripture that God really went above what he had set up for the way this world works and splitting the Jordan. Was that, was that evidence of God's wrath there? His anger? No, not really. Even though it looked in mean, a very, you know, sometimes fearful way of, Oh, what just happened here? But it wasn't because God was angry. It's interesting the way that you described it, because I, I guess I think
0: about, and we're, we'll do, a, we'll do this a couple times, uh, during our conversation today, I think, but tying in other people's, other, some of the other nations and people's religions. And when you put it that way one of the things that just strikes me is that we know that this isn't God being angry at rivers, at, at things like this, but at the same time to think of the people that saw some of these things happen and then the way that some of their religions seem to talk about these things is sort of interesting to kind of think like that idea of a deity um, that's been created by
1: man and how there's like that anger with people and with things of nature. And that idea is still around and maybe not as much of a, it almost, it's a strict adher- adherence to it. Because you look at some of these other nations around Israel, yeah, and when they saw great acts of weather or things that defied their normal life, it was the hand of God. But you do still hear that tossed out as far as when you get big storms and things well, is this God's judgment here? Is he angry? I mean, the opposite ends because people turn to science in so many other ways and okay, it's global warming and all those other things. You know, there are things you can look and say, all right, God uses natural means. But to also see and realize that idea is still out there. People see the weather and anything else. God may be at work with this. But then once again, that perception of it, it's almost always, is this God's anger? Mm
0: Mm-hmm and that's something that i think we want to help to identify then is just seeking to understand then what is god using those things to accomplish and as we look back over you highlighted a number of other examples and honestly there are just so many examples of it in scripture of times when you look and you see okay here's this force of nature god using that what is he using to what is he using that to accomplish
1: when god uses his power in sometimes maybe destructive ways. That doesn't mean it's his anger against the things he's using. And that that I think is just a really important thing to, to
0: highlight that that's not what's being talked about here in the text. Um, when we th- I think one of the things then that as people have that view of nature um, and start to say, is this God's anger? Is this God's wrath? I think it helps us to see that as we look at and it's interesting because it's even hard to talk about them. Um, but as we look at the things of nature, I guess that's, that's the term that I'll settle on. As we look at those forces of nature um, and understanding that, that God uses them, um, it's something that when we, when we think of that, what does that tell us about God? Um, and I, I guess looking back at how people view them, just the fact that they, they are so unpredictable. Um, you look at things like, okay, uh, a snowstorm. Lots of times, you know, even with what we would call advanced technology, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Um, we look at different events of earthquakes and things like that. We have ways to measure and see if they're coming. But so many times things come and they, they catch us off guard. And you think of experiencing earthquakes or huge storms and then how everything just seems to be random. And in those moments, flooding, all these things, what do we do? We run from it because we can't predict
1: what's going to happen. And yet here we see that God is in control of those things. Yeah, and I think it's that weird phenomenon of how we see these things as random, but yet we also then have to have an explanation for them. You look at, okay, you get record setting temperatures or storms that have never happened before, and this, and it's all all these random things are happening. You run from them, but then it's all right, okay, now we have to find a reason why this happened. And it's usually turning, okay, can we explain how the weather patterns change? Can we explain, okay, look at those high pressure, low pressure things and things like that? And you know, once again, I think we recognize. You know, as God does use natural things, we also think that we can, he's given us wisdom and insight into how his world works. But do we almost then put our trust and our confidence there? All right, now we understand this so we're better prepared for the next one. And it's it's laughable because even
0: in scripture, we see that, yes, God has created this framework of the way that things operate, but yet we see examples in scripture of how God then operates outside of that framework. And I, I think, like, you think of death, right? We can't bring someone back that's been dead, and yet God does that. Uh, we look at, okay, um, time. It, it has to function as this way, and yet God, in Scripture, stopped time and said, you know what, I'm going to give you more time so that we can deliver your people.
1: And so we see that God acts outside of those boundaries. So, I know one of the things that's point here is sun and moon stood still in heavens. Um, and we have recorded in Scripture one of the times when the sun stood still; that God stopped, it, and daylight continued. For that, He certainly can do it. And I think the interesting thing that comes out about this, as you see, okay, back turning to the things in nature and what God does, it's shifting away. It's the emphasis isn't about the nature. I mean, yes, don't forget the nature. See how God's work in nature. But that's not where God's focus is on. It's God of the focus, and while he doesn't really say it, as he's really sowing these rhetorical questions with the answers of, no, it's not the rage against the seas. It's about people.
0: Yeah, and you look at those examples in... And- Um, the different things that that we've talked about. And it is about the people. It's about about bringing them to repentance. It's about bringing them to deliverance. And God then acting his will out to deliver his people, to bring them to repentance about those people,
1: but then moving the forces of nature in accordance with what he wants to accomplish. And I wonder if that's just an interesting thought. You know, we think about things in nature and realize he's given it, for us in some way to be a benefit for us. And when he changes it, he's changing it for us in some way for a benefit for us.
0: When we, when we think of those benefits, I think that, and we talk about God's power and it becomes so evident as we highlight the way that nature just kind of, okay, he does what he wants with it. And it really is one of those things where you just have to say, wow, our God is, is that powerful. Um, how can we view God's ability to do that? Um, one, I think one option is to do kind of what I'm doing right now, which is to be in awe of it and to just say, wow, you're so powerful. Uh, This is a wonderful thing. And you kind of highlighted that too, that as God's people, we look at that and we can say, this is great, but yet there's another
1: side to that too. It's terrifying. Um, when the storm comes and knocks over trees, takes out the power it's terrifying and you see how powerful our God really is. And it's almost realizing, okay, if he has control over all this, all this, it can make someone tremble because you recognize it's not just random now either.
0: And I think that that, that's something that we we look at and, and we have to have that view as well. And I think we need both of those things. Um, in some in some ways, you look at that and you see kind of a natural law and gospel that that's tied into that. And I think that that we ne- we know that we need both of those things. Um,
1: I'm a sinner and I'm a saint. I need both of those things. And that's why I think Habakkuk's prayer is so comforting because I think you recognize, okay, God's given His nature and that does give natural knowledge of Him, evidence that He exists, that you see all the marvelous things that are made around us. How His wisdom is shown with how intricate, how things all work, and really how it hasn't crumbled. And if it was just random, why wouldn't it have been by this point? But that natural knowledge does invoke fear. That it does invoke fear of here is a very powerful God. And that's, you know, it's so easy to come by and see that. That's why Habakkuk's prayer, I think, is so important for us. Because Habakkuk isn't necessarily viewing it from that standpoint. He... Certainly would have necessarily earlier on the chapter's way have wanted to view it from that standpoint and saying, all right, God, do these things according to your judgment and your justice. But really he's saying, no, this is your fame and your deeds. Yeah, it does bring judgment and justice, but this is also in the way you show mercy. Um, it's just striking, I think, as he says the word, you came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. That's where his heart is and all this. And so that's, I think, where we should always be turning our hearts to. As God shows us, you see his powerful hand in nature and remember that he comes out to deliver. What a, what a comforting
0: idea and just thought that that is. Uh, thanks for, for bringing up that verse. It, it is one to, to kind of just reflect on and see, wow, um, this is this is what he does through that. In the verses that we read, there are, there's a lot of descriptions of God. Um, kind of talked about it before as this picture, but you look through that and we get this picture of God, one that's unique. It's one that I think we can look here and see that some of the pictures that Habakkuk is using are ones that he is taking from from other cultures and he's he's making helping to see that power of God using these other pictures that aren't necessarily ones that we typically think about with God. Um, even some of the the natural things and um, how, how he talks about um, the the lightning and being like a flashing spear, the glint of your flying arrows. Some of those things, the anger you thresh the nations. We're familiar with hearing some of these things. Some of them are ways that we hear other people in scripture talk But yet some of these things seem to be painting this picture of God that might have been one that the Israelites looked at and they said, this isn't the way that we normally talk about God. We normally don't talk about
1: lightning in this way. We normally don't talk about these things. It's an interesting thing as far as this picture of God, because I wonder this kind of scenario. Okay. If I go ask someone, say, maybe draw a picture of God. Now, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is I'm going to draw a picture of Jesus. Uh, God in flesh. Okay. In that way, maybe it's easy. You draw a picture of him on the cross or whatever it may be. But if I say, you no, know, okay, you can't draw Jesus. Draw a picture of God. What are you going to draw? And now, if you take that even further, ask an Israelite, draw a picture of God. What are they going to draw? They will not even say his name. You think they're going to draw a picture of him?
0: And so you, you just think about that and you think about then the uniqueness of this um, that, that he does this. And so then what really, I guess, why, why do that now? Why do that? Knowing what, what you said, that they were so terrified. They had this just utter respect and awe for God. And now here Habakkuk is giving this description. Why, why would
1: they do that now? Why would Habakkuk describe them? Yeah. And you see the descriptions actually happen in so many places as God uses human imagery to describe himself. Human, he's, he talks about himself in human characteristics, not because God, other than the second person, son of God, is a man. Okay, no, but it's ways we can understand and to show himself to us. And so I think that's really the something here. They're trying to take what seems so abstract and make it concrete in ways that actually are concrete for us.
0: It becomes a really important way for us then to be able to identify and place our belief in God. And you look at so many of the promises and other things that that we cling to about God, and they use those pictures and that imagery uh, to help us to to have this understanding, to take this God that is so far beyond uh, beyond and above us, and for us to to grasp, to, to gain that understanding of him. So as we look at that and that idea of some unfamiliar terms, I guess, do you think that there's benefit at times in using these unfamiliar descriptions of God? Um, I've sat before in different Bible classes or listened to different sermons and I've heard different descriptions that I've thought to myself, I've, I've never thought about God in that way. Um, and I've kind of sat there and puzzled over it a little bit. Um, and I think sometimes that's been a little bit of a benefit because it helps me to think about it a little bit more rather than just to have this, Oh,
1: I've heard about God, heard this description of God before. Um, No, and one of the things you had mentioned before we started talking about this too, was the idea that even this description is really similar to what other nations have done with God. mm -hmm. And that's maybe makes it unfamiliar too, to look and realize that is what other nations do. They set up a picture. They make an object. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're always worshiping to the object, but this is how they're represented God. Now also then remember, God said, you shall not make any image or idol. Mm-hmm. Okay, God told his people not to do that. But yet, here he is giving descriptions. What benefits? I think, I mean, I think it all of a sudden does make God more, I don't want to say more real, but it all of a sudden makes... Because he's, I mean, not more real because he always is real. But it almost makes God more tangible to us. It's something that, oh, I understand what this picture is. And I can all of a sudden get a deeper understanding of my God. Because when you take a picture of, okay, going and covering his bow and with his arrows, you see, okay, someone who fights. And you see that strength. Whereas if you just say, you know, God fights for you. He's on your side. Oh, and scripture does. And it's very comforting. But I think the picture adds another layer to it. And it's something that we
0: do see in scripture that at times for us, there are things like examples of farming, examples of being a shepherd, examples of property lines and those are things that for us, some of those things we're not as familiar with because that's not our culture today. We still use them and we try to grasp them. But I think that's part of the reason that um, as that word of God is proclaimed, that at times it is appropriate to do that. We see Jesus do that same thing for the people um, as he's teaching in parables to help them to understand this, using you know, things that were common for those people at that time
1: to help them grasp it. And I think it's something that we can and, do. And I think then the other helpful thing is as you interact with in other situations in life with those things, because they are part of your life. And so whether we're talking about things like nature and the streams and the sea, you see those things and then you all, oh, yep, you've connected that picture to a truth about God that he's proclaimed to you. And it's recalled in your mind. Really what Habakkuk say? ask, okay, I've heard about these things. He's remembering now. These are ways that God helps you remember them, and that helping to remember, I think,
0: is is a really important um, equipping tool as we share God's word with other people. Um, and I and I say that because um, just just think of that power, and just think for Habakkuk here as maybe some of this imagery was things that that were closer to some of the gods of the people around them. And now what Habakkuk has done is he's kind of taken some of those things and he's helped the Israelites to, instead of like, just to now when they see those
1: things to, he's kind of appropriated them for, for the true God. Illustrations are powerful for that reason. Now they take something that is truth and they connect it to something now that's around you. Which is...
0: It, and it just is a, a very powerful thing. Um, I, I think about how then that becomes something that when you have that. Um, and, and I guess one of the examples that I think of is, um, I remember once in, in a sermon, and it, it felt really weird in the moment, but afterwards it, it's been something pretty powerful. Um, just talking about, like, it was a comparison to a Disney movie. Um, and it's something that I heard it years ago, and it felt weird because comparing God to a character in a Disney movie, you know, that's one of those things where you... I think asking that question, like, is it worth it doing this? Um, is this something that's valuable? Does it, does it share this truth? And it ended up, yeah, it did. It felt weird. It was something that um, afterwards you're thinking more about it and you're like, okay, Yeah. And now anytime that I remember this character from a Disney film, it's something that always kind of goes back to that picture from the sermon, which is like, okay, so suddenly monsters incorporated and, and this character from, from there becomes this, this picture of God. And it's, it's kind of neat that, that that's happened with it. Weird at times when you think of of the character, but um, something that we can do
1: with things. And now all I can think about is monsters. Like I don't know what the picture was. I didn't hear it, but all I can think about is Randall and the equating with him with the serpent and the devil. Oh. It's funny because the character is Randall. Oh, but
0: <laughs> but not serpent and devil. So <laughs> Randall in the in monster. And I, this is I think another one as we talk about dangers with these things. Um, if you don't know the movie Monsters Incorporated, if you have no idea who Randall is, it becomes, well, what's the, what's the connection? And I think that that's one of the dangers with doing some of these things is when we pick things that are big deal to us. Now, I think that's one of the interesting questions is we consider doing that. People know Disney movies really well. that being said, one of the characteristics that Randall, this character from Monsters Incorporated, has is he's able to go and he's able to make himself invisible. Um, and so that that was kind of the the connection of, okay, he can make himself invisible.
1: And I think that maybe brings out an important truth, though. You recognize it's attached to maybe a specific characteristic. Because even as my mind went to that, it was a character as he slithers around. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different characteristic, and you see how it connects to something else. And so you ought to be, maybe the danger, be careful is, okay, you make these comparisons, it's not full-fledged. There's an aspect of it. And I, that is such an important thing. And I think that
0: also becomes part of the caution with it is that, again, in knowing that sometimes we, we don't always listen to everything. And so then it becomes, oh, there's this full-fledged connection when that's not the point that's made. So how do you do that in a way that that makes sure that you have that distinction, that it's this one aspect, that it's not the whole thing um, and do it in a way that that's appropriate. And I think another thing about it is not making a joke of um, where then it just becomes, okay, um, we talk about God as this fairy tale and he becomes, it becomes a thing where we rob God of some of that glory and majesty by comparing him to, um, Things
1: that we can question whether he should be compared to or not. And I think that's where you see, too, as well, okay, Habakkuk describes in the picture, and one of the scripture really is like, here's a warrior, mm-hmm. a warrior. And okay, it's easy to equate, all right, think about the superheroes and that. And it's, you know, there's really good things to think about as God as our superhero, but to not all of a sudden now make it fictional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, I've, I've often wondered, too, I mean, you think about all the different whether it's books and stories and movies and things like that every time you know almost seems like there's a movie about god not that every one of them flops in every way but those they don't usually have a whole lot of success or there aren't usually there's a big market calling from and i'm you know I, I thought about the two okay what a wonderful way this could be to communicate but then again maybe not it is an interesting thing to to think through that um
0: to kind of go through those movies that have highlighted things about God. Um, there have been ones that I think have continued to leave images in people's minds and kind of that same question comes, was that a good thing or not? Um, and I think there is some value in leaving some things that are not subject to that. Um, and I think about things, um, with that, um, like uh, Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. I mean, that, that becomes something where um, where lots of people have different pictures that they've seen from that movie that have are ingrained in their mind. Um, there are things, I guess another recent example, there's a movie called Bruce Almighty. Um, it's an older movie, but there are things that, okay, um, Bruce Almighty, he... One of the things that's stuck in my mind for forever is these unending filing cabinets and how that was like his um, thing for, he's trying to figure out how he's going to handle prayer. And so these huge filing cabinets, so oh, I can't do that. Okay, email, ding, 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 all these things. And so like all the, those kind of pictures that kind of get into some of those
1: things, um, it's something that they stick though. They do stick. They stick, and that's you see, once again, the power. Sometimes those images that can be created are very, you know, as they're really proclaiming that truth of Scripture, mm-hmm. they're lasting, and they are impactful. But other times, it creates a different picture. Or other times, it does, you know, you think about it. Okay, if you had a cartoon Bible, Bible stories going through, <sighs> has this now put it on the same level of those Disney movies?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And that you don't want that. Once you recognize the value of, okay, the illustration, not to say you throw it all out, but how can you do it in a way that always is uplifting and saying, this is different.
0: And it is a a huge struggle because I I do think that there are creators that kind of take advantage of that. um, and, And they make things that are meant to be satirical, meant to be jokes at God. And those things are out there too. So you do see that people have used Um, use those pictures, use that imagery in a way that I would say is very much disrespectful and very much trying to take honor away from God.
1: I think maybe where you ultimately come back, where is it going to be shown as meaningful, as different? It's comes back to the message that comes with it. And that's where you see as Habakkuk does it, what is his message in all this? It's very much showing this is who your God is. He is the one who delivers you as he does these mighty deeds it's marveling at his mercy. And that is
0: is the takeaway that, that comes away from this. And I think that knowing that that is um, how Habakkuk uses this, um, this this prayer, these this song of praise is one that um, I think it's kind of cool that we can look at this and see that this is something that we've got these musical terms throughout this section of scripture, which are unique. Um, it becomes something that we see that Habakkuk as this thing that the Israelites would then use, um, something that they, lots of different thoughts about how they use this, but something that they could pr- that they could sing, that was a song of victory, that was something that stuck around for them. So it had cultural significance for them and was something that was usable after this. Um, and I think that as we think about some of those other things, that's kind of how how those, when we use them correctly, is that it's it's a tool. That that gets used um, to highlight who God is um, and to help us to remember and cling to those truths at times when when
1: we need that. God inspired this picture to be proclaimed. And so let's make use of these pictures.
0: Great place to great place to end. Um, if you if you do have. Drawings or thoughts about how those could be, please send them our way. I'd be interested in in seeing those. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we look forward to to finishing up the Book of Habakkuk with you with our last episode coming next week.